Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land, and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures, and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. It comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a portfolio for your work, a store to sell your stuff, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you what you need to make your next move a reality. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com. Enter the offer code CanadaLand and get 10% off of your first purchase. Omar Mualem, writer for Rolling Stone, New Yorker, Wired. It has been a miserable hog of a news week, um, but I'm glad to have you here to talk about it. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. We are going to discuss today the terror attack that occurred, like, outside your window, like, in your yeah, neighborhood. three in blocks Edmonton. from my house, yes. My God. I will ask you again for a fourth time, Omar, will you denounce Terry Malevsky's mustache? Will you, sir? <laughs> We'll find out. We will also discuss uh, the government's new Netflix deal slash CanCon overhaul and the many, many people who seem to hate it. Uh, spoiler alert, I am not one of them. Omar, welcome back to Canada Land Shortcuts. This episode of Shortcuts is brought to you by Alison Wass, Peter Rekai, Roshna Chari, Stan Mack, Linda Van Vulpen, Anna Sophia Volmerhausen, Lloyd Alter, and Peter Raskovsky. 
Peter, why did you decide to be awesome? Because I love Commons, because I love hearing about Canadian politics from a perspective that's not my own. This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace. Omar, we talk about various exciting products, and Squarespace uh, is one of them. We talk about products that I think are good for people who do projects and freelancers and people who are making stuff. Squarespace is, is a place to make websites. It's the place to make websites if you want a website that will look beautiful. You can just use one of their templates and pop your own information in, and one that will always just work because... It's not like it's done and then it's set and then if anything goes wrong or needs updating, you got to call somebody. No, it is like a service. It's not just a website. It is they're constantly patching, fixing, updating, keeping it current. You even get a unique domain which strengthens your brand and makes it easier for visitors to find you. They have incredible 24-7 support. Think of it as your own IT department. So... Make your next move and start your free trial at squarespace.com today. You've heard me talk about these templates, Omar. Have a look at these templates. It's pretty cool that you could just make any of these beautifully designed sites your beautifully designed site. Enter the offer code CANADALAND, get 10% off of your first purchase. Again, that is squarespace.com, offer code CANADALAND. So, Omar, I keep hearing that Edmonton is 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 reeling, that Edmonton is struck. How How is Edmonton? It's pretty calm here. It's pretty chill, yeah. No, I mean, there was, there was definitely a disconnect between the international coverage and just a lot of the, I think, panic that you were seeing on social media. There's a big disconnect between that and what was actually happening on the, on the streets. The morning after, it was... It was very calm. I mean, I, I lived three blocks away from the first crime scene where a police officer was stabbed. I went there. The road was open. The liquor store was open. It was 11 a.m. I went to the next crime scene downtown, and you wouldn't know. There was just like a couple of strips of yellow uh, yellow caution tape on some street signs, and everyone was just kind of trying to squeeze the most out of their Sundays. This is, I think, a lesson in news cliches when we, we say, you know, uh, a city under attack, a city reeling. I mean, there's sort of like news speak, which is just like, that's what you say. I think it's not inaccurate. It might be cliched, but it's not inaccurate to say that Edmonton was tested. That's something about, you know, basically like every terrorist attack, and I think we can call this one, mm-hmm. is a test. Uh, and I think it's a, it tests freedoms and tests democracies. Like, is your democracy strong enough to withstand this? It, it also tests your police as well. And that, yeah. that, that I think, was one of the most significant tests is that, you know, at, at 8.15, a police officer was stabbed and inside the car there was a ISIS flag. The police knew for sure that it was. A picture was tweeted out, you know, tweeted out to the public by CTV's Sean Amato that, I mean, you couldn't mistake it for anything else. Maybe that, like, ISIS dildo flag that once freaked out. CNN at London Pride, but it was pretty clear what it was. So this was their first manhunt for a Islamist, for an Islamic extremist in this city. And they handled it very, very well. They set up checkpoints just about in every direction. And that's actually where they found him. If you can believe it, the accused handed his driver's license to a police officer at a checkpoint before he made the getaway to Jasper Avenue, where he ran over four people. Wait, after the stabbing, but before running over? Yes. He handed his 
driver's That's, license to uh-huh. it gives you a, an idea of the sort of the the level of intelligence you're dealing with with these deranged lone wolf attackers he handed over his license and was given a free pass or he was handed over his license and then peeled away he handed over his license and then peeled away okay when it was clear that they were bringing backup right yeah. so on the ground cops seem to handle this masterfully and 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 also without I don't know, declaring a police state and rounding up every brown and black person in the city. Um, There are questions, I think, for cops at a different level. The RCMP was aware of this guy. Uh, Also, Rachel Brown at Vice had a scoop that this guy had been denied refugee status in the U.S. I don't know. That raised questions for me around... Uh, she got a quote saying, well, just because he was denied uh, refugee status in the States, that doesn't mean that Canada uh, needs to automatically deny him. But I, but I wanted her to know on what basis was his uh, application denied by the States? Because if it was because of, uh, you know, ISIS sympathies, you would hope that was, was this in 2011 that the I guess the Harper government would have been looking for things like that. I guess we don't know. But it does seem like there were opportunities for the RCMP to have done more. I don't want to come down on... Yeah. I mean, maybe this is outside of our... I think so. I mean, there there were some criticisms of the, the coverage. Um, some people wondered if uh, Sean Amato and CTV were being somewhat reckless by releasing that glimpse of the flag on the car seat of the, the assailant. Uh, some people would argue that it could have put innocent Muslim-looking people at risk of assault or harassment that night by being so widespread. But others, I mean, myself included, I have to admit, I would say that considering IS-inspired attackers' track record of running crowds over, I would say that that was kind of relevant information. Others, I are, would think so. I would say that a photo of the attacker's car is newsworthy. Sure, yeah. Well, not just his car, but what's inside of his car. And now, now other, others argue that the police were irresponsible by not confirming the existence of that flag until the next morning. And, you know, obviously they, they made it very clear that there is a manhunt, that there is someone on the loose, but they did not let people know that he was Islamic State inspired. Some went as far as saying there was a cover-up or a conspiracy, But as Jana Pruden of the Globe and Mail pointed out, investigations do take time and they can be compromised if they're not handled carefully. So any information released by police could become part of the criminal case and the stakes do include convicting the accused. So this is just to say that it was all par for the course. I found that the coverage locally was was very strong and very level-headed. The only hyperbole about panic or trauma or city reeling, to my knowledge, it came from either outside the city or it was just people on social media, I think, trying to project their, their very personal emotions onto the city. But if you were to just walk around Edmonton the next day, you would not know that there was a terrorist attack. And there is a difference between what happened in Ottawa a couple of years ago and what happened in, in Edmonton yesterday. I mean, for one, nobody died. And, and secondly, this, this was not an attack on, on the government. You know, so I, I think obviously the, you know, we, we have to keep in mind that the, the response, I think, in Edmonton was, it wasn't just resiliency. It was just, it was proportionate. It was proportionate to what had happened. Obviously, it was um, awful. There are families who are reeling. There are people who are, who are injured possibly for the rest of their lives and traumatized possibly for the rest of their lives. But as far as this being this dark cloud hanging over the city, that's just not true. Yeah. I think that uh, from the initial reaction to the attacks, as you described, to the uh, the nonviolent vigil that you attended afterwards, uh, the cops' performance on this on the ground, 
just everybody else in the country should just be saying, you know, word up to Edmonton. Word up, yo. So Omar Jagmeet Singh is uh, leading the NDP. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. And, you know, he went on to power in politics the next day, as one does. Terry Malevsky was filling in. And shit got weird. I want to ask you, finally, about the fact that you have long identified throughout your career with the grievances of the Sikh community against the Indian government. Do you think that some Canadian Sikhs go too far when they honor Talvinder Singh Parmar, uh, when they put up posters of him as a shaheed, a martyr, when he was the architect of the Air India bombing? Do you think that's appropriate? Well, I think it's so important that we really clarify a misconception that exists. So for me, one of my goals was to erase this false narrative of a Hindu-Sikh conflict and what I really believe in. Forgive me, but you could do that right now by saying, no, it isn't appropriate to put up posters of Canada's worst ever mass murderer as a a mother. Let me me make sure we... Do you think that's appropriate? Well, let me just clarify a point here. It's so important that we rid this notion that there's ever been a conflict between Hindus and Sikhs. It's never been the case. Uh, we've been living in existence as as neighbors. Third time and, of asking. It's not a hard let me just question. Finish. I'm just Third finishing time my of sentence. asking. Is it appropriate to put uh, up so some... Man, you could not load that question anymore. It goes on. What about putting up posters of Parmar, the architect of the Air India bombing, as a martyr? Is that appropriate? Yes or no? He just keeps coming back at him with this. Like it went from a... Hey, meet the new leader of the NDP to like, sir, I demand an answer. I will ask you until you like it became an accountability interview. And what Jagmeet Singh was being held accountable for was that he has yet to denounce the architect of the Air India bombing from decades. I Or, or denounce the rare existence of his picture on floats in Sikh parades. I mean, this this, this is so bizarre. How did he set it up? You're associated, what did he say? You're associated with Sikh grievances. One of the problems here is that it's completely separate of context. There are two parts to this issue. Okay. One is what the hell is Terry Malisky talking about? And two is why is he talking to Jagmeet Singh about it in his first power and politics appearance as a federal party leader? So let's unpack that in a second. Sure. First, just like, you know, from the point of view of the casual viewer, which I consider myself when I first saw that and having very little awareness of uh, Sikh politics in Canada, I was just like, what? Where is this coming from? And I, I certainly don't feel like saying that he's associated with Sikh grievances gives me the context I need. And then there was an immediate uproar on social media where people saying like, dude, like, would you ask any white politician if they, you know, will you denounce the Las Vegas shooter because you're white too? And that's how I read it at first. And I was like, there's got to be more to it than that. And then I kind of went into a little crash course rabbit hole of figuring out what the hell Terry is talking about. So as you were, Omar, <laughs> I think well, you went down sure. that hole as well. Maybe you can't. I did. Yeah, more. yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I called a few Sikh people yesterday just being like, is, is this a thing? Is this like, are these martyr posters a thing? And like how how ubiquitous are they? And the first thing that they had to tell me was that Terry Maliski has been reporting on Sikh politics and the Khalistani separatists in Canada since the 1985 Air India bombing, even longer. So this is kind of his beat. In fact, he's not very well liked by the Sikh community. Many of them think he's digging up old problems that they've mostly moved on from. And in fact, he and the CBC were sued in 2007 uh, by a Sikh organization for their work on a documentary called, I kid you not, Samosa Politics. 
Now, part of that documentary showed that Talwinder Parmar, uh, who's believed to be the Air India bomb's uh, mastermind, was was pictured on a Sikh parade float covered in posters of martyrs. Th- this was a collage. It wasn't like one big, you know, massive poster of him. And the tradition of martyr posters, and it's not just unique to the Sikh community. I've seen this in Muslim and Arab communities as well, is that they're not necessarily martyrs because they're suicide bombers or, or masterminds. They're martyrs because they are tortured to death. They are wrongfully imprisoned. They're killed by the Indian police, which, you know, a lot of people in Canada's Sikh community have been touched by this. And you can't remove this persecution from the context like Terry does in his reporting. Now, Parmar is obviously a pretty extreme example of that. But this idea that Sikhs are just hanging pictures of him in their homes is pretty improbable. I mean, none of the people that I talked to yesterday had ever seen such a thing. They didn't say it was impossible. They just said that it wasn't anything they'd ever seen before. So that's what, yeah. he, what he's talking about. That's that's the first part. Why did he bring it up? I mean, because Singh is Sikh, because he was once involved in Sikh activism. And, you know, India has been on Canada's case for what it sees as Sikh Canadians exporting extremist views. So maybe it is worth a discussion about the Khalistani movement. But in such a short introductory interview, this is kind of inside baseball. I mean, for people who didn't vote NDP, this might be the first time they ever hear his voice. Remember, he's not an MP yet, right? He doesn't have a seat in parliament. So this intro is pretty crucial. And you're going to waste half of it on whether he condemns the rare existence of posters of a mass murderer. That's just guilt by association. I think that's the main thing for me is that this is an introduction of Jagmeet Singh and and, and there was a, a suggestion that this is sort of a loyalty oath that he must take to kind of earn the role that he just won, you know, that, that you know, in his first appearance as NDP leader on CBC's flagship politics show, he must denounce this figure and then we can accept you as and, – and that, that – you know, didn't pass the smell test. The whole thing played out really weirdly. Terry Molesky first tweeted out uh, something that caught my attention when he said, Jagmeet Singh demanded the questions in advance. We refused. And only then did he agree to like, okay, fine, I'll come on the show, even though you don't give me the questions in advance. And my sympathies at that point were like, well, fuck yeah, you don't give him the questions in advance and Mm -hmm. to hell with him for asking. That's a real assault on on journalistic freedom. And I was glad that Terry broke with sort of CBC protocol. That's not a very CBC reporter thing to do. Though I I also want to say that's not uncommon for politicians to ask for that. And it's not uncommon for, for journalists to push back. It is uncommon for them to announce this on Twitter. Well, that was uncommon. I think that that it is understood you don't get all the questions in advance, yeah. especially at that level. And I think that uh, anyhow, it's obvious why they wanted the questions in advance. What they knew and I didn't know at the time is that when you're talking to Terry Malevsky, you're talking to, to the Samosa politics guy who was sued by the World Seek Organization, who also sued the CBC for that piece. I think they dropped the suit some years later. But this has been like a, a – in his retirement – interview, he cited his coverage of Air India as like a, a, a defining thing of his career. So this is a big story for Terry, as you point out. And he's not ready to let go of it. 
No, and and you know that's fine because this was the largest terrorist killing mm-hmm. in Canadian history. To, to to kind of circle back to what we were saying before, that was when we were most tested was the Air India bombing, and a lot of people's families were destroyed, and, and live you know uh, over two hundred lives were lost, and people don't have definitive answers. And this is you know he says this haunts him this story, but there was a sense like this is my story, and damn it, Jagmeet Singh is going to answer for this, and it mm-hmm. you know I will stand up for Terry Molesky and any journalist's right to explore this, and it was interesting that ultimately Jagmeet Singh. Of course, denounced this terrorist killing, but wouldn't specifically denounce the alleged architect of it. And I think that there is something there that, that that sent me down that rabbit hole of like, well, I guess this is a controversial figure within Sikh communities, but how should he be controversial if, in fact, he was responsible for this? And, uh, you know, I, in, I, in I, short, I, by the way, in short, the controversy for that is that his confession to the Air India bombing came under under torture. So a lot of Sikhs just aren't willing to accept that because uh, he was never convicted of it and the circumstances of the confession were torture. Well, let me not stumble into, I, I do not uh, have the, the bearing in this topic. I mean, and I watched Samosa Politics and, and as troubling as that title is and, and the tone of it and a lot of stuff in that, I'm, I'm intrigued by this question of radical Sikh politics finding their way into the Canadian political mainstream. And it seemed, I don't know, all of this is fair game, I would say. I don't think Terry Muskie should not be allowed or should be forbidden to ask no. these questions, but it played out in a way that like Jagmeet Singh and the NDP need to be associated with the Air India bombing on day one mm-hmm. Of Jagmeet Singh's leadership of the NDP. Like, CBC and Terry cannot remove themselves from some level of responsibility for, like, an irresponsible association of those things and an irresponsible, uh, you know, giving primacy to that and making that some sort of, uh, you know, initial gauntlet that he has to go through on that platform on that day felt like a terrible editorial decision and one that just from a pure point of view of comprehension the viewer would just have no idea of knowing what the heck these people are talking about so angrily. And and I actually think that Jagmeet Singh did a, a wonderful job of dealing with it. You know, the, the people who did know what he was talking about were Sikh Canadians. And I think a lot of them are tired of being expected to wear the Air India bombing for the rest of their lives. Most of them, I would say almost all of them, probably disown it. But they're also sensitive to torture and murder and wrongful detention. That's what makes this complex. But if I can try to tie this segment with our first segment, there is a similarity between Sikh Canadians in the 70s and 80s and the Somali community today. Um, the attacker in Edmonton was a Somali refugee. You know, they were both upwardly mobile communities, but a lot of those the Sikhs did arrive as poor people dealing with social strife that comes from poverty and uprooting your family to a foreign land. So yes, they, they did have extremists. They also had gang violence, but they also had rising politicians and community builders which I think we're starting to see in the Somali community today. So I guess I'm just saying that, you know, every big immigration wave goes through a similar cycle. And the Sikh community has, for the most part, moved through theirs. So it's stunning to a lot of them that he would try to make it a focal point again. Terry gets in his own way. I, I, I think he's uh, done some incredible work. I, I, I like the tenacious, I like the Terry Molesky thing, but, but it gets in his own way. And I think there is no small amount of ego involved in that. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, It's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody – Half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. 
but often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's betterhelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Omar, we're going to do Duly Noted, but first I would like to thank our second sponsor, Casper. Casper Mattresses, they make an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. I sleep on my Casper mattress. I sleep well every night. We've had it for a while now, and unlike mattresses with the springs, you don't get grooves in the mattress like a a me-shaped hole where I don't have that same support. Casper Mattresses combine supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep service with just the right sink and just the right bounce. They have over 20,000 reviews online, and their average rating is 4.8 stars. So this is the internet's favorite mattress. There are a bunch out there right now. This is the internet's favorite. When you buy a Casper mattress, you get free shipping and returns here in Canada. Try it out for 100 nights risk-free in your home. If you don't love it, they will pick it up. They'll refund everything. It is designed, developed, and assembled in the United States of America. You will see various offers for Casper around. None are as deep a discount as this one. $65 off for CanadaLand listeners. Go to casper.com slash CanadaLand, and you will get $65 Canadian off of any mattress purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so the Globe and Mail has released... A new code of conduct. Oh, are we duly noting? We're duly noting, Omar. Keep up with me now. Uh, this is what I'd like to duly note is that in their ongoing efforts towards transparency, uh, Sylvia Stead, public editor of the Golden Mail, has um, written about the new code of conduct at the Globe and Mail. And it's fun for me to read. This stuff gets buried. Nobody pays attention to this outside of the business. But it's fun for me to go through each of the new sections of the Globe and Mail Code of Conduct and think about which Canada Land story inspired which new line in the Code of Conduct. I take great pride in this. One popped out at me. Uh, or actually, a couple did. One was under unpublishing. Any decision to remove any content will be made by the editor-in-chief. This, to me, feels like a, a very clear ramification of the uh, lactate gate where we Mm -hmm. told you that uh, part of this was not just Leah McLaren writing a god-awful column that probably resulted in her getting fired, but also had to do with like who gets to publish and unpublish the Globe and Mail. And there was lots of confusion and there was a staff minor mutiny of sorts when uh, like 72 Globe employees signed a letter asking for clarity from this. I think that's the repercussion of this is that now that's for the editor-in-chief. And then there's also a line in the Code of Conduct clarifying 
their policies around accepting gifts and when it's okay to accept gifts as a journalist and when not. And I think back on uh, some Canada Land coverage of uh, accepting a gift from a, a jeweler retailer from a reporter who was uh, also covering the mine itself. So anyhow, this uh, is funny to see in the context of transparency because none of the reasoning or the stories that incited the change to the conduct policy is, you know, laid bare, is made transparent. So I can only guess and infer, but it's nice to see that Globe and Mail journalists will be conducting themselves properly uh, henceforth. Duly noted. Uh, I want to duly note two very, very cool Alberta projects that popped up in the last couple of weeks. The first one is called The Sprawl. It's what editor Jeremy Clauses calls pop-up journalism. It's a Patreon-supported Calgary news site created for the duration of the municipal election. And it's a pop-up because the idea is that, you know, it's something that can be revived and semi-occasional whenever there's an election that matters to Calgarians or some sort of big event. It's like the most hyper-local news you'll find. There's even a story about the leaf blower debate. Are they too loud? Find out. Okay. Um, the, the other cool project is called the Ghost Box, and it's this beautifully handmade box of spooky stories curated and edited by the comedian Patton Oswalt. So it's published by an Alberta indie publisher, Hingston and Olson. And for the last three years, they've been doing something called the Short Story Advent Calendar, an advent calendar of short stories. The comedian was a big fan. He's also a big horror buff. So they've collaborated on the Ghost Box, which you can buy online. Duly noted. Finally, Omar, you and I are contributors to the cultural content sector. Yes, that's what it says on my business card. <laughs> the Netflix deal, which is funny that the now it's called the Netflix deal. This is like the greatest overhaul, like the entire <laughs> CanCon regime yeah. is being revisited, re-engineered, disassembled. Choose your descriptor, but it is now known as the Netflix deal. We're going to look back at the Netflix deal like the Oslo Accords or something. That's right. Where were you when? So Melanie Jolie's uh, Ministry of Heritage has come forward with a somewhat vague unveiling of their plan with a big headline stealing $500 million commitment from Netflix. It was really like not anticipated by anyone. We thought we'd be hearing about new policies, new taxes, new regulations. Instead, it's like, I got us a deal. Here's the deal. 500 million, guys. Um, I am going to be talking about that because this also covers the news bailout. This also covers like everything where government meets media. And so the next Canada Land is dedicated to this. Melanie Jolie was not available uh, to speak with me, but I had a long conversation with what we call a uh, senior government source to kind of read the tea leaves of what this very poetic uh, speech actually means. And I'll be talking with um, with Michael Geist, at least Michael Geist, maybe somebody else, about the actual policy ramifications. So I don't want to get into that with you right now. I do want to talk about just like the uh, very reflexive reaction of media to <laughs> this Netflix deal. Have you followed this? Well, I noticed that the Globe and Mail had published four uh, four opinions, four takes over three days, all of them kind of saying the same thing, which was don't believe the hype. Which, you know, I, I can appreciate. I think, you know, there's, there's a reason why there were so many, um, so many takes on this in Canadian media. The, the deal, the announcement was full of so much pomp and circumstance and just hot air. And it was so widely covered by reporters that were regurgitating Ottawa's enthusiasm that I can see why 
so many columnists just wanted to take the piss out of it right away. We're not just talking about columnists. There was a, a news headline, Liberal Deal Let's Netflix Play by Own Rules in Canadian Broadcasting. That was a news headline. But then we also had the takes. The Netflix deal is a very sweet deal for Netflix, not for Canada, said John Doyle. Kate Taylor said that Melanie Jolie's Netflix deal fails to address the real issues for Canadian content creators. And then uh, they published an outside uh, opinion piece by a, a small town uh, newspaper publisher, local newspapers deserve better than Jolie's culture plan. <laughs> that was a funny one because it goes on like uh, in the plan, uh, Jolie says in her speech, we will not be bailing out dying business models. And this newspaper publisher is horribly offended as she wrote, no, my business model is not broken. She protests in an editorial where she is demanding a government bailout. So, you know, there's a certain contradiction there, but it, it definitely felt to me like the Globe and Mail was like just filled with this plan sucks. Don't believe the hype. This is no good. Don't be fooled. Like that was just up and down through news and opinion crusading against this plan. But you shouldn't believe the hype. I mean, it, it was it was largely lipstick on a pig. I mean, Net, Netflix has had Canadian dealings for a while and they've more or less been equal to what they are announcing that they're going to do. Uh, from now on, what I, what I would love to oh, see. I, I, is... I have to stop you there just to say that there was a lot of reaction amongst the TV community saying this money had already been committed and this probably includes stuff that is already being produced. I was able to confirm that this is all forward looking. This is money that is not yet being committed. So th that, mm -hmm. that much at least we know about the deal. So this is supposedly new money for Canada, but you know, they were spending money here already. It's true. The big question about this deal and maybe you'll talk about it next week, is will it address the real problem with Canadian content? Because it's, it's not that there's not enough Canadian content. It's not a matter of quantity. It's a matter of quality. We're in this golden age of television. British TV, Danish TV, other countries are exporting gems of shows for this era. And Canada's only real international hit has been Trailer Park Boys. That's our Black Mirror. That's our The Bridge or Sopranos. So will this deal... Uh, do anything to fix this problem? That's kind of what I want to know as a as a TV watcher. Yes, the answer is yes, yes. Uh, look, we're talking about the same thing. I agree with everything you just said. And there is a reason why our TV is so bad. And it's that our cultural sector doesn't pitch TV to broadcasters who are hoping to have big hit money-making TV shows. They pitch them to BDU broadcasters, whatever, who are trying to fulfill a government obligation in order to get this kickback so they can maintain the regulated market. Like the whole thing is a failed racket. So what do you have more faith in? A producer going to a Bell Canada or a Rogers who makes like 95% of their money by re-airing American shows and saying, hey, you guys have to make some Canadian shows. Why don't you make mine? Mm -hmm. Is that going to result in a good show or is a Canadian producer going to Netflix and saying, this is what I think is going to be a hit show on Netflix? But Netflix is also sort of in the game of producing as much content as, as they can. I mean, that's why you find all these ridiculous B-movie, C-movie, D-movies in your Netflix menu that you can't even believe were made, let alone discovered and, and somehow licensed for, for distribution. So it's not like Netflix hasn't produced 
stinkers in the television world. They have. I mean, the Get Down and something called Hemlock Grove and I, I, I don't know, I, Haters Back Off, though I think they just renewed that. Um, but uh, I like I mean, the Get Down. I think you like the Get Down? Too. They I, canceled I thought it. That's it right. was charming. Yeah, it's true. And they're at the point where they're starting to cancel TV shows as well. So, I mean, there was a point when just, you know, having the Netflix logo on a show like House of Cards or Orange is the New Black, it almost guaranteed quality. But that, that time has passed. I mean, Netflix, I would is, never is, meant that. Orange Netflix is the new black was is bad producing from the start. Okay, look, we're, we're, Omar, don't believe the hype. You've fallen for it. We're talking about Netflix instead of talking about the CanCon system being completely dismantled. <laughs> you fell for it. You took the big I'm ah, such a fool. It's a Netflix story now. No, I'm going to get into this. I'm going to get into this. This is like enough for like, a, you know, maybe a few Canada lands. Like I really feel like this is the beginning of of the end of the current system and, and the ramifications of this through news and through screens, scripted, everything. It's all changing. And uh, I kind of think that I'm really into this deal, but I'm not sure yet. But we're going to we're going to explore that. But I, what, what I want to what I want to just like leave us with today is just what we see here is like there is an establishment of production of the industry as we know it in Canada, they don't give a damn about what you're talking about. Like, can we raise the quality? What they see here very clearly is that the old way of doing things is done and that the people who are first in line to get that government money for TV uh, are not going to be protected by the government anymore. And they are crying bloody murder and the Globe and Mail is carrying water for them. And it's delightful. It's delightful to see them just squealing at this. I sense like there's change in the air and I'm feeling hopeful that like, yes, like let's like move things forward and get out of this rut and stop pretending that this thing works. It hasn't worked. It never worked. Okay. <laughs> cool Omar Wallen that is Canada Land Shortcut is that how we're going to end this <laughs> that's it I feel All right. About, I I'm looking forward to hearing ending. more about your about your uh, feelings about the Netflix deal uh, next week <laughs> It was a long teaser. Okay. If you want, you can email me. I'm at jesse at canadalandshow.com, and I will read what you send me and respond when I can. We are on Twitter at CanadaLand. Omar, where are you? You can find me on Twitter, too, at Omar underscore A-O-K. Our website is canadalandshow.com, but a quicker way to make sure that our news gets into your news feed is to like us on Facebook. Our crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. Tickets are still available, but going quite fast, I am told, to see our closing show at the Hot Docs Podcast Festival in Toronto. That is next Sunday, October 15th. I will be talking with Daniel Dale. He just got blocked by Donald Trump. I suppose I will still talk with him, though. You can get tickets by Googling Hot Docs Podcast Festival. The producer of this show is Kevin Sexton. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at CFUV.ca. If you like what we do... Please support us on Patreon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.